Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. the first of its kind in the world so we'll be down there to check that out coming up on uh, on sunday be very cool i'm very excited i'm very i was just showing quaid uh the map for uh, harmony bends at strawn park the new championship level disc golf course in columbia missouri uh my traveling group is going there on sunday so i'm very very uh eager now when did this open uh did they open that in June, maybe it was May. It was May or June. Okay, so this this was the first season. Yes, this is this is the inaugural season uh, of Harmony Bends. There, this is um, the latest championship level course in the country. Uh, many have sort of theorized that they put this together with the express purpose of trying to wrestle U.S. nationals away from Maple Hill mm. uh, into Columbia. So we'll see our at least on a rotating basis. So. This will be uh, this. This should be fun, and I will probably come back on Monday with my tail between my legs after trying to uh, throw this monster you over the weekend. You tail mm-hmm. between your legs. Could I be. have a feeling that you're going to be in here regardless of the outcome. Throwing, Talk, talking, talking smack. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully, I'll see some of the guys. See, and and, and Columbia is uh, is sort of an emotional homecoming for me as well. Because uh, it was there that I was uh, taught to play and sort of learned to love the game at, at uh, Albert Oakland there. And the two 18-hole courses they really? have spread over. Because mm-hmm. as long as I've known you, you've had discs and so you didn't have an outlet for it in some places. Well, yeah, but- it was very casual uh, what I did uh, before that. But uh, this is where I really got competitive, started learning about uh, all the different nuances, different plastics, uh, what, you're do- what you're doing, uh, playing in the league. Sort of that sort of thing. Okay. It was kind of the equivalent of owning a baseball and a glove as a child versus then playing on a team and, and playing in competitive games. Okay. So that's that was kind of the difference there. Uh, enough about what uh, I've got planned coming up for this Sunday. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930. <laughs> Welcome WTA. to Sean's recreational yeah, yeah. hour. If you haven't figured that out. That's what's uh, that's what's going to be going down. <laughs> ben Yout, Illinois watchdog uh, coming up. President Obama right now uh, is addressing the U.N. Mm. Uh, news continues to roll out on the suspect apprehended yesterday in the weekend. Uh, well, what's now being called terrorist bombings after we went off the air yesterday. Mayor de Blasio finally rolled over and, and choked the words up. This was terrorism. Even though yeah. he didn't want it to be because that's inconvenient for the narrative. Uh, this this was when you have someone uh, setting off, whether or not they express a pro-religious philosophy or they are anti-America. If your if your intention with homemade bombs is to bring an element of uncertainty, uh, a grief, fear, fear, 
into your community, that's the definition of terrorism. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be affiliated with another group to cause terror or to be a terrorist. A terrorist isn't someone who necessarily comes from another country and, and loathes America. It's anyone who wants to instill those things that we just named off sure, by, into their neighbors or society. By definition, you you are correct. And I don't think that it's the definition that de Blasio, that Mayor de Blasio has a problem with. It's it's the connections that the mayor has a problem with. Mm-hmm. Uh, if 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 somehow this ended up being somebody uh, from the uh, you know New Jersey New York Tea Party coalition, it would have been terrorism right out of the gate. Oh yeah, and, they, and those and, xenophobic, right. jingoistic, <laughs> white terrorists, jingoists. <laughs> They, 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 they would have been all over it. It's, it's the affiliation. It's the continued, mm-hmm. the continued situation where it almost, it almost always seems to be somebody who's been radicalized uh, in Islam who, who does these things that they get uncomfortable with and don't want to rush, you know, to, to judgment on these things. Uh, however, we've seen time and time again over the past that they, they, a lot of times will rush to try and connect it to somebody from, and I say the right, and that's probably not the way to frame it, but uh, all of a sudden now I'm de Blasio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but they, they, they would be in a hurry if, if, if it were a different circumstance or they could, they could paint it as a different circumstance. Mm-hmm. But because almost from the get-go, we had an idea of where this was going, certainly within 24 hours to 36 yeah. hours, we knew. Uh, and, and then you also had the, the situation in Minnesota. We knew right away. So calm down. Let's not react. That became the message as opposed to what can we do to keep this from happening again? You mentioned the reaction to it. That is is something we're going to come back to in the next segment on a completely different topic, but one that uh, it bears carrying in mind as we go through the show today. Yes, and then uh, being told, especially uh, by the governor in Minnesota and by uh, law enforcement authorities there, hey, now, I know there was a stabbing here, but don't go out and just start stabbing people. Right. I thought, who was it yesterday? I can't remember whose column I was reading yesterday. They made a great point. Uh, it's what is it? Uh, is sixty three casualties to uh, to terrorism this year in the U.S. Okay, I I haven't I, I, kept score. I believe that it's about right. Um, I said you know if if this was a product on the market, it would be mandatory recall and banned from the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. If this were a manufactured item uh-huh. a tangible thing that, yeah. that that people had had purchased in the marketplace then yeah i thought that was an interesting way to couch it and we don't even have to talk about candy in order to bring that up but we'll get to that a little bit later oh, I know today you know. okay uh, uh press tracked down the mother of the uh, suspect's child uh she said that they were yes at one time high school sweethearts they're in their 20s now he's 26 um, Talking but, about Rahami? Yes. Okay. Uh, he uh, he became uh, increasingly distant, according to her, uh, railed against Western culture, 
how it was, quote, different back home, how there weren't homosexuals in Afghanistan, and he became uh, increasingly distant and uh, seemed to be full of rage uh, as his trips continued. This is well. We mentioned this yesterday when we would we were at the beat, you know, because mm-hmm. all of this kind of went down. And he was captured after a shootout with the police while the show was going on, and we at the time, I, I believe, we sat in here and said we we have to, you know, we'll find out where and when this guy was radicalized. Did it happen here in the United States? Did he travel overseas? Well, it turns out he was traveling to Afghanistan and 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 Pakistan and has a has a or a wife who had gone back in mm-hmm. the last few days uh, back overseas, but was, uh, I say, she was found en route uh, going back, quote-unquote, home. So uh, he's in custody. I'm sure he's being questioned. I'm sure he's got legal counsel. Mm-hmm. But we'll find out more moving forward. And you brought up a good point, which is how do you protect yourself if you're – an open-bordered, busy nation uh, full of 99.999% great people. Because that's what we have in America. And the question comes back to how do we protect ourselves without giving up our freedoms along the way? Because you can't have 100% security and 100% freedom. Those things don't don't overlap on Mm -hmm. the Venn diagram. You can overlap them a little bit. But you no longer have a 100% freedom circle. How much of it are you willing to exchange? How much personal freedom? How much freedom of information? How much personal, and we're talking also about privacy. How much personal privacy are you willing to give away in order to met back the percentage chance that this will happen? Are you willing to exchange 10% of your private life in exchange for rolling back the chance of terrorism 1% because it's not an apples to apples comparison. Mm -hmm. Increased surveillance on all is only going to reduce the likelihood of it happening by a certain percentage, not absolutely. And, and, and and I think a, a layer of depth to that conversation is, do you approach it as an individual? Do you approach it as a family, as a household, or do you approach it as a nation? Because a, a nation can say we're not going to take away your freedom. We're not going to have those overlap so too terribly much. But you, as an individual, can choose that security uh, over the freedom and not leave your house a whole lot and not go. Uh, well, we don't. We're not. We're not made better by a nation of recluses and hermits. No, no, we're not. But I'm saying that at least. You can have a choice as an individual to to do that and up your security, but you're you're reducing your own freedom by choice as an individual. It's not a we do this all together type of thing where a group of people decide, no, your freedoms are going away. We're the other, making the decision. The other disturbing thing for me coming out of this was the absolutely bald faced realization that the learning curve of extremists, those who would radicalize uh, others to do their dark bidding for them, their learning curve is absolutely exponential because they have they have been able to figure out, uh, and not in hard numbers, but probably just through probing and through what's happened, the patterns that many of the international intelligence community use to detect Okay, what did the FBI come out and say? We were aware he'd gone to Afghanistan, but based on the metrics that we use, 
which is to look at when we have someone we suspect, can their personal finances account for their traveling or does it look like they're getting outside help? He made it through every loophole that they had, not loophole, but guideline. Say, yeah, we looked at his personal finances. He went once every couple of years. It seemed easy enough to support that. Uh, we, we know that that you know he was visiting people, so we weren't going to curtail his traffic because he wasn't traveling to at least what they told us was spots that were known hotbeds. So it, it seems to me hmm. that the enemy has been able to pick up on the processes that are being used and to exploit those and stay under the radar while it's happening. So I think that the question now becomes, is there a need for a change of methods? Was this something that was just lost in the other noise? You're not going to be able to get everyone. Even in a totalitarian sure. society, you're still going to have things that, that that slip through. And so that's why I think we each have to wrestle with the idea of how much more freedom, how much more privacy are we willing to give away in exchange for a slightly reduced percentage that something like this may happen? Well, that's been the ongoing conversation since 9-11. And I think it kind of... And then the Patriot Act was forced through. Sure, yeah. and it, and it kind of uh, it kind of gets re-brought up every time something like this Mm-hmm. Uh, occurs, and we're talking about a, a situation now where uh, n- n- nobody has died, but people got injured, but this wasn't, you know, a situation like, say, in France where 80, 90 people got mowed down at a uh, Bastille Day celebration. That doesn't mean that the conversation shouldn't be occurring. It's an ongoing thing, and you should have that conversation with not just your household, uh, but people around you, don't be afraid uh, to have these conversations because we're all having to live it. We're all in this together. This isn't a you over here or you mm-hmm. over here because this could happen anywhere. Yeah, you mentioned the Bastille Day attack. I saw there was another arrest made there, but I don't have the details several, on Several, I think. In front of me, yeah. So they're continuing to pursue that as they should and as as we we knew they would. All right, coming up this morning on the morning meeting, Ben Yount, Illinois watchdog. Quaid's got one question. He was so eager to ask him, he put it in the promo, and we'll talk candy and politics next here on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest squared alongside you. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, coming up in just a bit. And before we're done today, we finally got some guidelines on who's going to set down the rules that our new robot overlords will then follow to decide whose life to take. What? In an emergency situation. What are you talking about? The feds have previewed the rules of the road for self-driving cars. Oh. Well, we know the feds uh, don't make any mistakes, so I'm sure, sure. this is airtight. 100%. There weren't just a 1,000 people granted <laughs> citizenship that were on the list for deportation for several different reasons. This happened within the last 36 yeah. hours, so yeah. surely the federal government 
Never made yeah. And they've made no bones about it. They intend to take this area over. Oh, it's it, been left up to, to the states before, really, to, to decide this. And the, uh, the, 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 the quote from the federal government spokesperson basically told the states, know your role. They said the state should concentrate on just licensing these and figuring out who's at fault if there's an accident. We will be the ones who decide the rules of the road and the safety capacities and the calling cards for the technology and, and basically states STFU. Mm, not surprised. So, yeah, so the feds have every intention of uh, central planning this to death and assuming a, a power over this uh, this growing area. Which so, means, of course, that when it all goes awry, they'll as- assume responsibility and accept the blame and somebody will step forward and say that was that was that was my bad, and I'll go away, and we we really messed this up, and we'll we'll hand it over to people who could probably do this better now because we're just politicians. Yeah, we're just unelected bureaucrats who are making this power grab. Uh, if that happens, uh, you can you can have my my microphone, and, and I'll retire. Right there, and they might take that it from happens. you. <laughs> Without coming through on there, and that's absolutely a possibility. How often do you like to intermingle politics and delicious candy treats? Do they have to be together? Somebody, yes. They, well, unfortunately, both were being driven by driverless cars, and so they crashed into each other. And <laughs> have forcibly intermingled. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. drew outrage yesterday after posting a message on Twitter that said. If I had a bowl of Skittles and told you that just three of them would kill you, would you still take a handful? He then has a picture of a bowl of Skittles, mm. and that's our Syrian refugee problem. This here's, isn't a, this isn't a new no. This isn't meme. new. But here here's my problem with the coverage of this. We've kind of been meta this morning and talking about coverage of news and perceptions and so forth. Is that in order to push this into the mainstream press, what do you do? In the in the name of balance, you run to the opposition side to get a quote from the Hillary Clinton campaign manager. Well, this is abhorrent. What's he supposed to say? Excellent way to sum up and grok down the, the problem that we're facing. No, even if it is an excellent way to make the uh, topic sort of easily grokkable, the other campaign is, of course, going to denounce it. First of all, you're treading onto an area where they have a history of being at least wishy-washy and, and, and openly open borders if she intends to follow through on her promise of four more years of President Obama's politics. So this is a non-win case for them. So they're going to do anything they can to take the steam out of the sales of this. So just because you see a whole bunch of people going, oh, this is horrible. Is it really that horrible uh, of a of a of a tweet, remember of a tweet of 140 characters plus a colorful photo. I don't think uh, tweets are news. Uh, I know that 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 we've kind of, on occasion, turned them into that. Well, if you're Hillary, it's the only way you'll interact with the media. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I believe yesterday she uh, evolved her stance on vetting and decided that there should be strong vetting. Of those coming to the United States, which is uh, a, a new revelation so for you're Hillary. Telling me somebody showed her a poll. Uh, she something somewhere yeah. somehow yeah. somebody yes mm-hmm. she saw something and somebody said might be a good idea to to at least nudge nearer this. So when Donald Trump says that it's extreme, 
Hillary says we should have strong vetting. Well, that's just good common sense. <laughs> yeah, that's just common sense. What do you mean that's what the other guy's been calling for the whole time? And I've been denouncing He's it. a bigot. <laughs> I have exopted this new policy position, which you will now then clap for. For what it's worth, uh, I believe the Skittles people have come out and said Sk- Skittles are candy, not people. Sk- yeah, that's uh, all they said. Skittles are candy. Refugees are people. Right. We don't feel like it's an appropriate analogy. We will respectfully refrain from further commentary so that nothing can be misinterpreted as marketing. This it's fine. Th- and that and that's what a company should do. They're, they don't mm. want they don't want their their candy politicized. <laughs> so even though it was used in this situation, I believe previously when mm. this meme it was like it was M and M's that were used before. But you could use any. I mean, it could be anything. Sure. Doesn't necessarily have to be, but maybe that's if you're worried about the the French coming over, you could use the Three Musketeers. <laughs> you know, if you're worried about Might Martians, go you got the Mars Bar. Sure, I mean, let's. You're worried about a coconut but Halloween's invasion, coming got, up, uh, and uh, Skittles uh, would like their little fun size packs to sell just as much as oh, they always do. <laughs> you know, they don't want anybody thinking politics when they're going through the candy aisle for Halloween. I, I just I just want some Sour Patch Kids is all now. <laughs> I mean, thanks. Ooh. Would that be the Gary Johnson candy because he's sour <laughs> over uh, well, some of the things going on right now? All right, we'll have to have our resident uh, uh, role assigner, Aaron Baker, uh, figure out whose candy is who. <laughs> Coming up on the morning meeting. So this is interpret things for yourself. They ran to the uh, press secretary of the opposition and then I like your your assumption, Quaid, that, that tweets are not news. This is probably a reflection on the media right now and, and how they're covering this. They decided to run tweets by musician John Legend because he's got chops in this area. He's anti-Trump, by the way. So No surprise. So, yeah, they, I believe they ran those. His political stances in the past would put him there. Yeah. yeah. If you read one other thing today, uh, Howard Kurtz put together a column. He's at Fox News uh, outlining... The liberals who are now denouncing the media for not derailing Trump's candidacy. Yeah, they got mad at. Uh, so now you have Jimmy the, Fallon for not. Well, they're they're mad at a lot of people uh, right now, and in fact, it, it's not a, it's not a real long column. Give yourself five minutes, and and you'll be able to digest this. But he he goes through and pulls out. Okay, this was written on this date. This was written by the same author on this date. You can see what happened with the change in the polls and why it's going through. So it is a very uh, a chronologically oriented uh, write-up. And uh, it's it's really uh, disturbing because now you're watching as, as liberals kind of turn on their own. Uh, he does point out, and I'll just take this one uh, piece of extraction from a writer named uh, Nick Kristoff. He's a, a, a known uber-liberal uh, Pulitzer Prize winner from the uh, New York Times who says it's no longer a case of equivalency. You cannot, and these are the words of of Kristoff, you cannot make the case that Donald Trump, clearly a crackpot, is on the same level with Hillary Clinton. And journalism bears the responsibility for not drawing the lines between uh, Hillary, who he goes on to, to be complimentary of, and Trump, who he refers to as a crackpot. So this, this is this is where this is where you see 
the liberal media at as as the race continues to tighten in battleground states, as the poll numbers for Trump continue to surge a bit. They are now sort of eating their own over the frustration but all of having to treat these two uh, candidates as equals. And they don't they, they want Trump essentially labeled a biohazard, dangerous goods and be able to deride him for it. That will not hurt him. They're still oh, ignoring yeah. the mm-hmm. reality of the situation, and it is that Trump is not from the elite political class. Yep. He might be elite money-wise, but he is not from that elite political class. And, and if you disagree, look at the way they're treating him, especially now that he's decided to to become political. Because before, when he was money, oh, yes, he is I- elite and he'll be our pal. Mm-hmm. But now that he's gotten political with stuff and he's not on their side, then no, you're not. You're definitely... I'll use the word they use, crackpot, but that is what the the rest of America, I won't say finds endearing, but that's not an, a disadvantage to Trump. And to have media say, well, we need to take that only marries you up with elite politics and you're just showing yourself and proving to everybody that you are who they think you are at this point in time. Surprise. You're not impartial. Surprise. You're exactly married up with who they think you are. Surprise. That only helps Trump. And if your insult lexicon doesn't go back far enough to understand why crackpot would be offensive, ask your grandparents. They can help you out uh, through that. If they remember. If they remember. Coming up, Governor Rauner is going to do an AMA on Facebook at noon. What would Ben Yount ask the governor? The Illinois Watchdog joins us next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Producer skills. That's what's going on. Producer the skills. morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 <laughs> WTAD. Sean Secrets Quaid alongside you. The guy who was just here over the weekend yes. uh, returns to being just here now, but as opposed to being physically present, he is uh, utilizing technology this time to sweep in. Uh, and join us on the morning meeting, Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog. Ben, the governor is just about to hold a uh, AMA on Facebook Live coming up at noon. What would you ask Governor Rauner? I'd ask him if he knows the deal. <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I, I would ask him, honestly, God, why, why are you doing this? I, I, and, and listen, I, I really like Bruce Rauner. I, I really like Facebook. I really like AMAs. I, I really like transparency. But this doesn't end well. Tell me, find me outside of perhaps a young, hip celebrity any time we're opening up questions to everyone online with, like, 24 hours' notice ends well for him. This is going to fall so short. And it's, you know, you don't just invite the peanut gallery to to news conferences. It's bad enough when you have to deal with jerks like me. Now you're going to be getting questions from union hacks and disgruntled state employees, this and, and live on the radio when we get a bad question or, or when, when, when we have a bad guest, all of our, our facial expressions are hidden. When this thing is live on camera, you're going to watch this man wince at terrible, 
horrible, inappropriate questions, or his staff is simply going to edit out everything but the most perfunctory BS notion, and it will still fall short. I just The question I would have for the governor is, who thought this was a good idea? Because this does not end well. Is there any chance that anybody will ask the governor about uh, Illinois taxpayers being on the hook for $45,000 plus in unfunded liabilities? Is that Will that even come up at all? I'm, I'm sure that someone somewhere will try. I'm, I'm sure that perhaps even someone associated with the governor's office will try and ask that question. But you, you know what you're going to get, right? Why do you hate poor people? Uh, why do you hate state workers? Why... why why do you refuse to tax the rich and give to the poor? Because that's, that, that's the, the narrative around this guy, right? Why are you like Donald Trump? I, I cannot wait to see what form of skill question that this governor gets, because that, of course, is going to be the only way that we can make things real from here on out. It, it used to be making government real meant talking about schools or roads. Now everything will be relatable based on how many Skittles will poison you. Uh, you, you get in these things a couple of different a different kind of questions. Snark and or just attempts to derail it. Because this governor's good enough, he'll be on point, and he'll get back to that. He'll circle back to the share of the debt in the state of Illinois. It's almost the median income. And you really need to, to, to sit down and pause about that. If you don't make $45,000 a year, I, I want you to think that you're going to work every single day putting in your eight hours, and you're getting nothing, because that's essentially what it is. But, uh, yeah, th- this, is, this is going to either be just a tragic, tragic facepalm episode, or it is going to be so benign that, that we're going to get questions about state flowers or you know, the state pumpkin pie. This, this will be essentially a, a Governor Ron or press conference where he stays on topic and doesn't answer any real questions and at that point, it becomes just as much of a waste. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, yesterday, while we're talking about the governor, he came out and announced the 29, I believe it was, uh, administrative assistant jobs that he has eliminated, part of the patronage issue that came up under uh, uh, both Blagojevich and uh, the governor before he as well in Illinois. And now, this uh, it seems to be taking on I don't want to say a witch hunt status, but you have had the governor talking about a position in which they will run independently or will operate independently of the governor as inspector uh, general of, of what was it basically inspector general of excess. But it's going to be called the office of the executive inspector general. Uh, basically, their job being to roll around Illinois state government and eliminate all the jobs that they don't think should be there in the first place. Uh, while we've all talked about right-sizing state government in Illinois, this is going to be something that I can't imagine we're not going to see a fight over. It, it reminds me of the old Monty Python skit, Nobody Expects the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. And, yeah. and there, there is a fine line between going through and, and getting the political hacks out. And, and these, guys, these guys at IDOT, this was... This is part of what makes it so difficult to say, yeah, hey, perhaps a, a, a state-level special master on patronage hiring is a little much, because Pat Quinn, on his way out, bent the rules to make sure that these guys 
got a state job. They, they, some of them, it was almost do nothing work, but they got stuck in. And, and the problem when you when you stick in cronies and hacks and and toadies is that somebody eventually may have to actually do something in that job, and so either government grows or, or that job doesn't get done. But you know, Rod Blagojevich never forget the reason that the feds had tapped his campaign office was not because they were fishing for you know, Barack Obama salesmanship lessons. This was a guy who had systemic hiring fraud throughout his two terms. He, he was the, the king of bending the rules to make sure a county commissioner's son's cousin's moron nephew got a job up in Whiteside County. There is a problem, and the line needs to be drawn between pure political patronage. Just, this is a job to repay a favor. You raised a bunch of money, you raised a bunch of votes, I'm going to put your kid or you on the state payroll as payback. That, that I think, is something that everybody agrees is bad. 2016, you can't do that. But the, the, the real change that needs to happen in Illinois is this idea that government is nothing more than a retirement provider or a jobs program for the people who work in government. And so the, the, the difficulty of this idea to focus on crony or patronage hiring, at what point does hiring your cousin or your brother or your nephew or hiring the same people year in, year out, that's just as bad. It, it's not quite as illegal or egregious, but when, when you get into government jobs, there's a reason that a lot of the same families work there, and it's the mindset that's poisonous, this mindset that government belongs to the government workers and not the taxpayers. And, and I don't know how the govern, I don't know how the governor or this inspector general, or even a federal judge, can root out that kind of patronage, that kind of cronyism, that kind of toady hiring that ends up hurting people in the state. Ben Yount with us. You know, ben, when you were here Saturday, what did you tell everybody at the uh, Patriot Expo? Government for government. The, the Illinois government now is here to be an insurance provider. Uh, that they're there to kind of take care of their own. And then Illinois policy, was it yesterday, came out with there are now, what, 175,000 more government jobs in Illinois than manufacturing jobs? Did, did you see that? I, did, I didn't see the number, but it doesn't surprise me. We, we have 860 school districts. We have 7,000 total units of local government. And if, if each one of those local units of government averages, what, 10 people, it's 70,000, but I mean, you're talking the state, the city of Chicago, city of Quincy, Adams County. Think about how many different townships, how many little different municipalities. We, we don't have a functioning government in, in the state of Illinois. This is, this is what I said over the weekend to the great folks at the Quincy Tea Party, and i got to thank Terry, Terry for, for bringing me out and, and, and letting me speak. But Illinois doesn't have a functioning government. Illinois does not have a government that takes care of the 13 million people in the state of Illinois. Government in Illinois is an insurance provider. It is a health care provider for some people, but it is a retirement system for the people who work for government. And when, when you realize that the battle here is not Republican versus Democrat, it's not conservative versus liberal, it is big government versus taxpayers. And that's why you have to look at this stuff from Governor Rauner's office. Okay, we're going to go and we're going to look for for patronage and crony hiring in state government. And you see the unions fight this. And then you see the unions fight the idea of merit pay. And what you realize 
is that the status quo means so much to these. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to change anything. And if, and if we at home get service from government, okay, fine, they'd, sure, I guess. But what's most important to them is protecting the jobs. If, if somebody came to the radio station and said, yeah, hey, you know the salesman? Yeah, he's a really good friend, and his, his cousin needs a job, so we're going to put him on the news team. You, you would lose your mind because that's money that's not going to you. That's a job that's going undone. But state government doesn't mind crony hiring because they're all hanging on to get that check. They're all there because they're there. They don't want to leave. And, and that's the problem. That, that you, you really are seeing, once again, this governor fighting to not just get rid of Democrats, but to change this idea that it is government of the government by the government, for the government. It should be government of the people, by the people, for the people. Speaking ben Yout, Illinois Watchdog, speaking, with us on the morning meeting. Speaking of crony things, uh, Ben, of course, uh, the, the station that you're on daily, uh, based out of uh, normal, uh, we have a new chief uh, justice for the Illinois Supreme Court, uh, Lloyd Carmeier. Uh, there is, uh, a par- and I wasn't aware of this, but uh, State Farm Insurance, based out of uh, Bloomington, uh, is kind of tied up with Carmeyer, and there's a hang on, I've got it here in front of me, uh, a a uh, a suit uh, that contends that State Farm kind of helped Carmeyer get put on the Supreme Court so that he could kind of help them out crony style, and a district judge out of East St. Louis says uh, that uh, these people, the, the the people who have a complaint, can move forward uh, with their uh, case against State Farm, and now Carmeyer just gets put into the position of chief here in uh, Illinois. Is there any news about this in Bloomington? How is this being uh, talked about? Well, first of all, there's there's never any bad news about the good neighbor in Bloomington Normal. Uh, People will put their head in the sand and and defend that company till their dying day, which is one of the reasons why I will never be able to work at State Farm, because I've pointed things out like that. But to to me, the the sentence, the, the part of that sentence that tips me off is you said a judge in East St. Louis ruled that people can go after a judge and an insurance company, and and that is the least surprising part of of that story because, again, Madison County is home to the trial lawyers. Mm -hmm. And and, and did did Lloyd Carmeyer take a lot of money from insurance companies? Is is Lloyd Carmeyer the the guy who voted, ah, well, maybe let's overturn that big Philip Morris verdict ah light cigarettes i know it was a lie but those people don't deserve that much money yeah that that's who this guy was but i mean kim kardashian sized but the people who are critics of lloyd carmeyer are, are mad not because of some sort of miscarriage of justice but because he ruled against when he ran for the supreme court back in 2004 it was the most expensive judicial race at that point in the history of the united states and it was all money from companies like State Farm, who liked Carmeyer. And his opponent was getting all sorts of money from trial lawyer firms because they wanted to be able to sue companies like State Farm. So this is, this is one of these, no one is the good guy here. Everyone has dirt on their hands. Nobody wears the white hat. Uh, and and I, I always hate to you know, paint the accuser with a, a brush of suspicion, but when it is the Madison County Democrats and their trial lawyer friends, uh, I think I think the shoe fits, brush is appropriate, the fill in the metaphor, because these people are just as bad, if not worse, 
than these insurance companies that don't want to pay people. Ben Yout, Illinois Watchdog, with us this morning on the morning meeting. What? One, one more thing. Oh, Sean wants to know why you have No, I did not ask this. Quaid <laughs> brought this up in the promo yesterday well, after he talked about his experience at the uh, Patriot Expo. Yeah, wonderful time at the Patriot Expo. Ben introduced me to his wife, who I think I ended up spending more time with Ben's wife than Ben. And Sean, uh, upon learning this, says, I've never been introduced uh, to Ben's wife. The question now is, why have you never introduced your wife to Sean? Well, I because I'm trying to find the polite way to say it. No, I for for most of the reason my wife is done with me. My my wife is so she has put up with this for 18 years. She doesn't need to come and watch me work. She does It was it was pulling teeth to get her to come to Quincy. I essentially had to promise her free steaks in in order to get her to, to join me in the gym city. Uh, and so she is more than happy to talk to anybody but me. And and Sean, I don't know that you've ever been in the same room as 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 Amy. She she, not. she does not follow me to work or to any of these events because again, she has seen me have a couple of drinks, stand up on a stage, and bloviate on about state government for fifteen of our eighteen years of marriage. Uh, she doesn't need to waste a Saturday, but she had nothing nothing but nice things to say about you, Quaid. Although when when I when I referred to you as the, as the show killer, she's like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog with this here on the morning meeting. Thank you so much, bud. Have fun, boys. We'll wrap it up next. Figure out whose life is going to be worth more according to our new AI overlords. It's next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. So we've already exhausted the Skittles metaphor, so we'll just go straight for it. Quaid and I are driving down the road. Well, we're relaxing down the road in our driverless cars. We come to an intersection going opposite ways. One of us isn't going to make it. Who is going to program the new AI to determine which one of us lives and which one of us gets sacrificed to the greatness of the other? Uh, Because unfortunately, we haven't gotten far enough where we can just fuse together and become ultimate form of Quaid Chong combined (laughs) and then live on after that. I knew it. Do the yeah, Dragon I, Ball I, Z I, fusion I, ho. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the uh, the uh, federal government in the form of Transportation Secretary Anthony Fox has come out and said with the new self-driverless cars now on the imminent horizon, we, meaning the federal government, intend to occupy the field here. He said the states should just stick to registering cars Mm-mm. and dealing with questions of liability when they inevitably crash. But when you have a robot driving your car... Who's to who's I'm, to say that I'm not for this? I'm not for any of this. I'm not for it on short-term drives. I am for long-term drives so I can relax. See, and at some point the computer might decide out of everybody, you're the one that's expendable. Right, so. exactly. And uh, I, I prefer the freedom. However, I know if I crash, and, crash into a driverless car in the future, it will always be my fault. Oh, absolutely. Uh, whether it is or not... Who knows, but it will always be considered my fault. This is going to happen quicker than you think. Uh, the feds have really embraced this driverless technology. Of course they have. Yeah, it's an opportunity for them. So 
We'll see how this ends up going. But this is going to be on the life of sci-fi issues sooner rather than later that this is going to be happening. Uh, That's going to cool. do it for us. Not cool. Aiken or Aiken tomorrow here on the morning meeting. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the...